Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Katie F., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Wednesday, September 1st, 2021. And today we're reading from the Big Book. We're in Chapter 6, and we are on page 82, the third paragraph. The alcoholic is like a tornado, reading that one paragraph only. And today's readers are, and thank you for your service, for the 12 steps, Tenzin P, for the 12 traditions, Gina F, and reading the text are Joni C, Susan S H, Marjo is our backup. The newcomer greeter is Kathy S, and the host of the second hour is Karen K. The reference numbers for Tuesday, August 31st, 2021, 7 a.m., is 17,660, that's 17660, and for the 10 a.m. is 17,661, that's 17661. OA Preamble, Overeaters Anonymous, is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. And I will now ask Tenzin P to read the 12 steps. Thank you so much. Good morning, everyone. Tenzin P uh, in New York City. And uh, here are the steps we took, which are suggested as a program of recovery. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore sanity. (coughs) Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, thoughts of prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening as we result of these steps, 
We try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you very much. Wishing everyone a blessed day. Thank you, Tenzin. I will now ask Gina F. to read the 12 traditions. Hi, Gina F., compulsive overeater. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive eater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all our traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personality. I pass. Thank you, Gina. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topics. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book on page 82, the third paragraph, the alcoholic is like a tornado. And I will ask Joni C. to begin reading. Good morning. This is Joni C. from Minnesota, gratefully recovered. The alcoholic is like a tornado roaring through, through his way through the lives of others. Hearts are broken. Sweet relationships are dead. Affections have been uprooted. Selfish and inconsiderate habits have kept the home in tor- turmoil. We feel a man is unthinking when he says that sobriety is enough. He is like the farmer who came up out of his cyclone cellar to find his home ruined. To his wife, he remarked, 
don't see anything the matter here, Ma. Ain't it grand the wind stopped blowing? Um, well, I was definitely a tornado. Um, I I uh, definitely wreaked havoc with with my family, my poor parents, and um, I was a mess. And um, I used to think I was the nicest person in the world. You know, I re- I really did. Um, and it wasn't until I became free of all my addictions that I was able to see just how deluded I really was. Um, and it had to have been just hellish to be around me. Um, I was so selfish and self-centered, dishonest, uh, filled with self-pity, manipulative. <laughs> my defects definitely outweighed my my assets. And, um, and it's hard to believe I was even able to hold on to my job. Um, but now I'm just so grateful that God has changed me and is continuing to change me. And even though I'm far from perfect, I know that there is a solution through the steps. And um, I'd just be repeating myself and rambling on to say more, so I'm going to pass with that. Okay, well, thank you, Joni, for getting us started. And so um, we are on the third paragraph on page 82, the alcoholic is like a tornado. And although we value your experience, we ask that you limit your shares to every third day in order that others might share their experience. So who would like to share? Press star one to Katie G from Boston. Katie G. Dara L. Dara L. Reba P. Reba P. Marcy, was that Marcy? Marcia. Marcia, in your initial? D. Okay, anyone else? Carmella G. Carmella G, and who was the other one? Karen T. Karen T. Rebecca B. And Rebecca B. Let's stop there for this first group. Okay. I have Katie G, Dara L, Reva P, Marsha D, Carmela G, Karen T, and Rebecca B. Go ahead, please, Katie G from Boston. Hi, Katie F. Thanks for your service. This is Katie G, recovered in Boston. And I think for me, <clears throat> what this really is talking about is not when I was using food. Um, I came into Overeaters Anonymous and I became crushed by the definition of what an alcoholic really is, of who I really am, that I'm selfish, self-centered, dishonest, and afraid. This this has nothing to do with me eating. This is like me coming out of the closet and saying, hey, husband, isn't it great that I'm in a size four despite the fact that I haven't been paying attention to you and I have peach fuzz on my body and I've been making you do all the work in our house and I have diarrhea and I'm, I'm not functioning, but at least I'm thin, right? And, um, you know, what step 10 always reminds me is that I always consider how I feel, what I want. Um, I think Bill was very mindful. I don't, I can't read Bill's mind, but I know he was very mindful with the words he chose. So a tornado is a violently spinning air. Um, Another part in the book tells me I'm a producer of confusion rather than harmony. I remember when I used to go to work and I would send an email to someone 
And then I would try and explain the email and I would get so confused about what I said. Um, and I think it's really important, um, you know, when I looked back on my relationships, I don't didn't know how to have relationships. Like I knew how to stuff you in, throw up on you, and have you and and insist that you you meet my needs all the time. And that is who I am to the core. And so when I get abstinent, abstinence is not enough. If if abstinence is feeling good for you, that's great, but wait for it, because for me, abstinence feels like I'm doing time. Abstinence is the problem. I have to be entirely abstinent in order to go through the steps. But if I don't get God, I, I can't practice the willingness to bear discomfort. I'm, I'm going to die. I'm going to eat. I'm going to self-destruct. You know, and for me today, I wish I could tell you that I'm perfect. I wish I could tell you the day that um, I realized that I was changing. But what I can tell you is with the help of the steps, the outbursts from me have decreased in frequency, intensity, and duration. And God is slowly, over time, revealing to me these character defects, these ways that I'm like, it's in my DNA to think of myself first. That is who I am as a compulsive eater. Put my needs first. Value what I need. But because of this program, because of all of you, because of the grace of God, my heart starts to change. And slowly over time, I start to think, gee, a Friday afternoon might be a bad time for me to be of service. Let me make amends to my family because I already showed up for it and everybody got upset. So let me make amends and not do that again. So I'm just so blessed to be trudging with all of you. I'm blessed to learn. And I'm blessed to learn that abstinence is only the beginning of this spiritual life that I have to live each and every day. Grateful to trudge with you. Thanks. Thank you, Katie. Uh, Dara L., you're up, followed by Reva P. Yeah, great. Thanks so much. I'm Dara L. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Philadelphia. Um, a few things jumped out at me in this paragraph today. And yes, certainly I was and am like a tornado roaring my way through the lives of others. And um, the most obvious ways to see that were like, you know, what it must have felt like to love me and have me be carted off to treatment um, like every couple of months and what it must have felt like to love me and have to come to the hospital, like, you know, for my mother to see like, oh my God, maybe, you know, maybe my daughter is dying, you know, like, I mean, it was just, it was scary. It was terrifying. And I remember I would call people on the way into treatment and like break up with them or, you know, just um, lash out at friends who I, I never told that there was an issue, but, you know, suddenly I was like, I can't take this anymore. I mean, I just, I burned every bridge. I was such a hard person to love and I didn't care and I rationalized it. Um, and that was in the active part of the addiction, but as was shared, you know, in, in abstinence, I can do the same thing. And, um, and it's even more painful for me in abstinence because I don't have the food to take the edge off. I'm just like a, a crazy person um, hurting people and not caring and having no empathy. And um, But the piece that really also stood out to me is we feel a man is unthinking when he says that sobriety is enough. And the big book is very, very clear that, you know, um, that, that like just as alcohol is not my problem or food is not my problem, um, sobriety is also, sobriety alone is not my solution. It's an essential component of the ultimate solution, which is finding a relationship with a higher power that can sustain and direct me and change me from the inside out. Um, but, you know, I, I mean, thank God that sobriety isn't enough, because if it were, 
then every time I got sober in the past, like, I, I don't know, I just, I never would have learned how to live. I, I need this program to teach me how to live. And, you know, I, I don't think it's nefarious. I don't think it's like evil or intentional that we addicts are like, oh, you know, I said, like, look, everything's great now. I think it's part of that built-in forgetter, um, you know, the incredibly short memory that sends me back into the food again and again and again. I think it also works for my life. It's like when I'm in the midst of pain, I think it's never going to end. And, you know, this is the worst thing ever. And when things are good, like even if it's only been a day or an hour, I'm like, oh, everything's great now. I mean, I just, I think it's part of the wiring. And I love that this big book understands people like me in a way that <laughs> civilians don't, don't get it. So um, anyways, yeah, I'm, I'm grateful that today I have an understanding that um, I need to do this work every day because I don't want to live with me, let alone, you know, subject other people to living with me as an untreated addict. Um, and with that, I'll pass. Sorry. <laughs> Thank you so much, um, Dara L. And Reva P., you're up, followed by Marsha D. Good morning. This is Reva P., grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. I always relate to this word tornado. I was the tornado um, in the food, and as others have shared, I am the tornado when I'm in the ism, in abstinence, um, without working diligently um, through the steps. And um, such a remember when, you know, I really did think when I came in that this disease was only affecting me, and as soon as I got the food under control, everything would be fine. And through the inventory process, I was able to see um, that my glasses were backwards. I was looking at how people had wronged me, and I got to see how I had wronged others. And I got to see the devastation that I caused and how it was so much more than just the food. Um, and this is talking about amends and changing for the better and such a great reminder that I cause devastation when I'm in the food and when I'm in the ism of this disease and the importance of working the steps. You know, why can't I be abstinent only? Because I'm still a tornado and I'm still causing turmoil. And the word turmoil really struck me and it's disturbance, confusion, uncertainty. That's where my head is and that's what I cause all around me. And I cause it to the people I love the most, um, the worst. Um, so this is such a great reminder um, and also a, a source of hope that, you know, today when I do the step 10s and as others have shared, you know, I can be this person. I can be this person if I'm not constantly developing my spiritual fitness and growing um, and deepening my relationship with my higher power. Um, and there's such hope that if I do make a mistake, um, I can correct it. I can change, um, and God can help me do that. I can't do that myself. Um, yeah, so thank you, God. I don't have to be that tornado anymore, just devastating, destroying everything in my path. Um, but yes, my disease does affect a lot more than me. Um, and today I get to see it, and it's painful to see it, but I'm grateful that I see it because I didn't see anything in the food fog. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Reva. Okay, Marsha D., you're up, followed by Carmela G. 
Good morning. This is Marcia in Ohio, gratefully recovered by God's grace. Um, yeah, tornadoes leave a path of destruction, both internally and externally. And in my life, in the disease, I was I was dangerously destructive and didn't even know it. And people would be caught off guard by that often, as they are with a tornado. Um, you know, I'm generally a pretty loving and kind person. And when this other antisocial part of me would come out, people didn't recognize it, didn't understand it. Um, today, in a recovered state, I'm able to see it in myself because when my defects come up and I want to react in kind to my dysfunctional family or the stress of the day, um, I'm starting to learn, as it says in On Awakening, to pause, step back, release it to God. And yesterday I had to do that with a situation. Sadly, my mother is in hospice care and may be dying, and it's putting me in a position to have to help with her care with my dysfunctional siblings who are very emotionally reactive, go figure, as I was and still can be. And I had a situation come up that really brought up some strong emotion, and my first thought was to take action and buy for control, but I paused because that's what program teaches me to do and my life depends on it. And I was able to step back and turn it over. And I find when I do that, don't you know, the situation gets resolved pretty quickly. No kidding. When the creator of the universe is on it, he's on it. So within an hour of that situation, I saw resolution. Now, when I was in the disease, I was always looking for resolution, didn't have a clue what it was, and probably wouldn't have recognized it if it had come about. So I'm just filled with a lot of gratitude today. I guess the biggest change in being recovered is I'm able to think things through and respond differently, or in the case of yesterday, not respond and let it work itself out. I'm not living just in the emotion, in the extreme of emotion. I still have strong feelings. But they're just feelings. That's what they are. So with that, I pass. Thank you so much for being there and all of you and your inspiration and support. Thank you, Marsha. And God bless you with your father. Um, And now we'll have Carmela G. followed by Karen T. Good morning. This is Carmela G., a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater from New York. Thank you all for being on the line. Thank you, uh, Katie, for your service. A tornado roaring his way through the lives of others. Um, I never realized when I was in disease that I was roaring through the the lives of others, so many others. Um, I was an expert, you see, and I was self-centered. And I was truly a sick woman, but yet I was sick because I was under the influence of anesthesia as I was functioning. I couldn't deal with what I needed to deal with within me. So therefore, on the outside, I wanted to control everything. And it's amazing that I was able to get the education I did to get to the level of functioning I did 
so that I seemed like a true authority and to destroy self-will within my own family and just be the boss of everyone because I was so self-driven. And it was only through finding this program that I realized later on in life, and it was very late in life, that how selfish that behavior was. That was the tornado destroying other people's free will and spirit, and they had to mold into how I wanted them to be. But the reality is today I can nurture I can come from within and not be that selfish person. I can get out of self and go beyond because my mind is clearer. I'm no longer under anesthesia. And I look at something and I say, gee, that's interesting, and realize that I learned something years ago, but I never absorbed it because I couldn't absorb it because I was so sick and under a substance. And today, only one day at a time, through my higher power that I call God, I am able to see clearly and to see the results after the storm and make those amends, not for selfish reasons, but true amends that are going to impact and live the life that God meant me to live, to live and just be supportive, loving, and caring of others and out of self. And that's the gift of this program. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Carmela. Okay, Karen C., you're up, followed by Rebecca B. Hello, this is Karen T., recovered compulsive overeater, calling in from Massachusetts. Um, Thank you so much for everyone um, who's done service this morning and for this wonderful meeting. Um, You know, ain't it glad the wind stopped blowing? What is the first fruit of being abstinent for me? Sorry, this is a metaphor. But, um, you know, when when I was first abstinent, I didn't have the self-hatred of, you abused your food, your body with food yesterday, you know, or there was a teeny bit of self-esteem that I was able to be abstinent. And so that was some wind that stopped blowing in my mind. But that doesn't help the people around me. That's a change in my mind. It doesn't help my relationships at all with people around me. They don't see that there's less wind in my brain. So... People around me, my loved ones, can't see the first, the wind stopped blowing. All they can see is the destruction that the tornado um, caused, and they don't see the wind calmed. So to them, nothing's changed. And uh, I definitely was a tornado. Um, I... uh, some day uh, I had three small kids, and some days my husband would come home, and I'd be so happy to see him. And other days he'd come home, 
and I would be just so mad at him. You're late. I need more help with these children. Um, uh, and my selfish and inconsiderate habits would make me lash out at him because I was just not happy with myself. And he was right there. And I would just, as soon as he walked in the door, lash out at him. And so uh, he admits that he didn't want to come home because he didn't know which Karen he was going to find. Find my um, behavior was so erratic. And guys, this isn't like when I first came into OA. That I had been in OA probably for ten years at this point, and um, so, but I wasn't working the steps, and I wasn't doing ten steps, and I wasn't staying close enough to my higher power. And I wasn't doing the steps as are laid out in the big book with the help of a big book step study sponsor at the time. And um, that was a while ago. Um, And uh, my life has gotten better. And um, these steps have helped. But there are times that I can be inconsiderate and selfish today, and that's what we have a step 10 for. So, I am so grateful for this reminder today and for being on the line. And thank you so much. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Karen. Okay, Rebecca B., you're up. And then we'll open it up for more sharers. We're on page 82, the third paragraph. The alcoholic is like a tornado. Tornado. Hi, this is Rebecca B. from Wisconsin. Um, this is one of one of my favorite paragraphs, and I think it's because um, whenever I read it or hear it read, it makes me um, kind of smile or laugh at myself. Um, and underneath that laughter, of course, is the, you know, the kind of devastating realization of the impact uh, that I've had on those that I, that I love the most, that, that God's given me to love, um, particularly my family. Um, and the shares this morning have, you know, said it all and just been fantastic. Um, but for me, um, I, I, when I was first, uh, you know, trying to recover, I just didn't get any, I didn't understand any connection between overeating and, um, my behavior. Like I, that didn't make any sense to me. And it, it took me a while, um, to understand, you know, my makeup and my reactions to things and, the tornado analogy is so perfect because uh, for anything that happened, any situation in my life, my reaction was about 20 times more than was warranted for that situation. Um, and I can still to this day see the faces of my, you know, su- sweet little kids who are now grown, you know, when I would blow about something, blow up, and um, it was just completely unwarranted. Um, and it, and it was of course out of fear and selfishness and all the things that, you know, that are a part of me in this disease. Um, but it, but it is a tornado when there is devastation and it, you know, just like, um, if your house is, is torn down in a tornado, the next day, everything's not fine. Um, you know, even if the sun is shining and it's the most beautiful day of the summer, it, it's still not fine because there's wreckage and there's, um, you know, loss 
uh, and things to be rebuilt and stresses about me, you know, all of that. And that's such a good, I just think in the big book, this is such a beautiful analogy. Um, and this paragraph reminds me that, that I've got a lifetime of living amends um, to make, and, and I do it very imperfectly. Um, but as others have said, then we use the steps and we, you know, we clean it up um, immediately if we revert back to those old behaviors. So grateful to be in this program. So grateful for this meeting. Um, and, uh, and with that, I'll pass. Thank you so much, Rebecca B. So who we value your experience, but we ask that you limit your shares to every third day so that others might share their experience. So who else would like to share on the third paragraph on page 82? Kelly S. Kelly S. Lisa J. Phil M. Devola S. I'm hearing a lot of background noise. So I heard Kelly S. Lisa J. I'm not sure if it was Lisa J. R. or Lisa J. Phil M. Devora S. Anyone else? Melissa, no, Melissa. Is that Melissa C? Melissa P. Melissa P. Okay, who else? Laurel B. Priscilla Laurel, H. Laurel B. Priscilla H. Donna G. Donna G. Okay, let's see. There's 7.33. We have 22 minutes. Okay, that's enough. We'll stop there. Kelly S., Lisa J., Phil M., Deborah S., Melissa P., Laurel B., Priscilla H., and Donna G. Hopefully we'll get you all in. Go ahead, please, Kelly S. Good morning, Katie. Thank you for your service. This is Kelly S., recovered compulsive eater and bulimic in Tulsa, Oklahoma, where we have the real tornadoes. So um, I, always, I always ask God to... Um, nudge me in the mornings if I'm supposed to share and got a lot of nudging today and uh, I really feel led to share this for the newcomers on the line today because that's really what we're here for so you know because it took me seriously decades to understand this paragraph because I thought it was stupid I thought it was stupid like the jaywalker what the hell does this story even have to do with anything but uh, guess what the disease I'm <clears throat> sticking around I figured it out anyway um so, yeah, I just didn't get it because, you know, I came in here and I wanted to stop the eating, wanted to stop the weight gain, I wanted to stop the binging, the purging. What does it have to do with that? I mean, I thought this program was about that, right? And I thought that for decades, that, you know, yeah, we need this God thing so we can stop our addiction. But you know what? I had it backwards. You know, we stop our addiction. We put our food down, our alcohol, our drugs, our whatever it is, right, because we have this spiritual malady and that was the piece I was missing and I know I'm sure you guys have heard it but I like this thing about you know when you take the um, alcohol out of the alcoholic you're left with the ick and that's what I have I have a lot of ick inside me and so you know when somebody shared today and I heard this is what made me really want to think uh share says ain't it grand the wind stopped blowing that really spoke to me today 
because I thought that was because that was what I wanted. I wanted the wind to stop blowing. I just wanted to feel better. I wanted to stop the binging, the purging. I just wanted the wind. Okay, now I'm abstinent. Okay, everything's okay now. Well, guess what? It's not okay, you know? And I just, I never understood that. The food was my solution. And until I got busy, you know, I'm, I'm in step nine here, right? But this is how I can live my life every day where I just, you know, I can still to this day get focused on that goal. And I forget, what is my goal? My goal isn't abstinence. My goal isn't sobriety. My goal is my relationship with God and how I'm treating God's kids, right? And I can forget that. And so every day I can come out of that tornado cell if I'm not careful. And I'm telling you, growing up and living in a devastation of tornadoes, you can go a year later and still see things up in the trees, man. It's crazy, shoes and debris. So I got to remember every day, what is my goal? The wind has stopped blowing. I am starting to feel better. But if I want to keep this recovered way of life, you know, I've got to walk hand in hand with God and I've got to do the change. I have to have that entire psychic change. That's the part, that personality change that will keep me from having to go back to the food and look for a different solution so I can find my solution in God. With that, I pass. Thank you, Katie. Thank you so much, Kelly S. Okay, Lisa J., you're up, followed by Phil M. Good morning. This is Lisa J., recovered for this 24 hours in Michigan from compulsively overeating. And I'm so grateful for the focus this morning because this is the way I grew up. Every day was a tornado in my house. And then as long as everything looked okay on the outside, we could just keep moving forward and everything was okay. So I just kept pushing everything down with food. I'm like, I must be the wrong. I must be what's wrong here. Everybody else seems to be okay. And hearts were broken and sweet relationships were dead and broken and torn apart and didn't even know what affection was or love, even though it was, you know, it looked that way from the outside. But um, so I need this spiritual focus because then with this learned behavior, I come up and I'm the tornado. And then as long as everything looks okay in the morning, okay, there's no problem here. So abstinence is not enough. It doesn't take care of the problem. And then it pushes me back into the food because I still have, as was just said, the it. And so I can't live with that. So it just drives me back to the food. And so I just appreciate the spiritual focus because I come to find out that even if I am abstinent and I start to look good and lose some weight and my body's starting to do what I want it to do, all of a sudden I'm still driven back to the food. That's not enough to keep me abstinent. I have to have the spiritual connection because only God is the one that can repair these relationships. So through these 12 steps, I learn how to do that. I learn about my character defects. I learn that God is the only one that can remove those and replace those with good behavior and that I can gain self-esteem by doing esteemable acts and that I can have a truly happy life, even if it doesn't look great on the outside, even if things don't look perfect, I can have the calm on the inside. And that's what I was looking for all along. So I don't need the food for the sense of ease and comfort because I have a new way of living. And it is a miracle. I have these practical steps. How does that connect me to God? How does abstinence connect me to God? But only God can reveal those things to my heart through you guys talking on the line, um, through reading the big book, asking God how that applies to my life, asking myself the question as I'm reading along. And all these things are helping me 
to have a really healthy outlook on life and a really healthy outlook on food. So thank you for letting me share. Pass. Thank you so much, um, Lisa J. And Phil M., you're up, followed by Devorah F. Hello. Thank you so much for your service, Kitty. My name's Phil, and I'm a gratefully recovered compulsive overeater from Northern Ireland. And today is my second daughter's birthday. And 33 years ago, thank God, she was born healthy and um, and okay. And that kind of was a surprise to me because my eating during my pregnancy was out of order. It was out of order. And I could have visited all sorts of problems on that much-wanted baby because I wasn't looking after myself. I wasn't capable of looking after myself. Um, and, uh, yeah, sometimes I do wish to shut the door on things and uh, not look back at them. You know, there's some, some quite dark stuff, you know, um, there. And that certainly was one. I really wanted a sister for my first daughter um, and could not, could not stop eating the sugar. Just could not. It's like heroin. And when I first came into OA, my brilliant plan was to keep five grams per hundred grams of sugar in my diet. And I I got abstinent. I had a year and a half of abstinence and I mistook that for recovery because that's not recovery. That is but a beginning, as others have said. I'm loving the shares today. Um, and the, the, the real richness in this program is developing a relationship with my higher power. My God, as I understand, my God, my God, has to be a balance of the masculine and the feminine. I need to soften and also the strength. <laughs> Women have a lot of strength too, you know, and um, it's just a beautiful path. And I have company on this journey, and I'm so, so delighted. I really need it. I need uh, other people. I do sponsoring. We're about to start with a new sponsor um, or a new sponsee. And um, yeah, it's, uh, it's not always easy, and I don't always get it right by any means. But I've had the real privilege to meet beautiful, beautiful women. If you've been my sponsor and I haven't worked uh, with us, I do apologise. But um, and uh, hopefully I have made amends with the ladies uh, that I have got it wrong with. Uh, but even the words right and wrong, I'm finding are less than helpful these days. And I'm really kind of pleased about that. Helpful or unhelpful, I find are a bit softer ways of looking at things. And I'm trying to forgive my older self because I was doing my best, or my younger self. <laughs> I was doing my best at the time with what I had. And I'm looking back now with a healthier head and a healthier mind. Wish I'd had it then, but I didn't. I didn't. And trudging this road of happy destiny with with you all, stumbling along, mocking each other home. Thank you so much for listening to me. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Phil M. And now we'll have Devorah S. followed by Melissa P. Devorah, star one. Hey, good morning. Yes, I'm right here. Good morning, everyone. Hi. Hi. Good morning and thank you. My name is Devorah S. and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from New Jersey. And while this paragraph speaks my story, um, I'm just thinking, you know, just August 30th was my 40th anniversary of being married. And, um, <clears throat> boy, I was not the same person 
that I'm striving to be today all those years ago. And it's only with God's grace that I'm still married today to the same man. Um, because the truth of the matter is, I was selfish and considerate, and I kept the house in turmoil all those years. So I can and and I and I and can honestly say, you know, I I can't say until I came into program and then everything changed, because I came into program in uh, 1999, and um, I didn't get the 12 steps until a few years later. So things were still in turmoil and. And um, and I was still living in, in, you know, in my disease, even though I was abstinent in innocent body. So it's only with God's grace, thank you, God, that, you know, living in the steps today, that I'm able to to get to live in in consideration and and to, and, and and get out of myself and to and to be of service to others. Um, and it's not because I'm abstinent. Yes, it certainly helps. It certainly, that's the beginning. But thank God I didn't stop there. Um, but to know that I need to be working these steps on a daily, a daily, um, on a daily basis and to practice working for patience, tolerance, kindness, and love for others. Um, and you know the hardest place to work it is in your in in my home with the people that I'm most familiar with. Um, and I say practice because that's what it is. This is what I'm doing. I'm practicing. I never reach it. And you know I just it's it's um, you know and, and it's not always perfect, but I I strive for that. And in those early days, you know I never strove for that. It was all about me and what I wanted. And I, this is a tornado they're talking about. I'm talking I was a bulldozer. You know, I just made everybody flat. Bulldozed over everything because what I wanted, I wanted. So I am so grateful today that I have these awarenesses and I have this book to teach me and I have the fellowship to show me, you know, how how to live. Um, and not just to think about me and to be thinking of others. Um, and, um, and every day I get to get opportunities where I, I can, um, and it's only with these awarenesses, uh, and with God's grace um, that he has given me that, you know, I'm still married to the same man and, and, um, and I, Time, please. um, so with that, I'll pass. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, Devorah. Okay, Melissa P., you're up, followed by Laurel P. Laurel B., sorry. Good morning. My name is Melissa P. I am a uh, compulsive overeater outside of Buffalo. Whew, grateful. Um, you know, <laughs> I uh, haven't been hopping on this meeting as much as I used to because um, it's summer and I'm off my structure, and today is actually my first day back to school. And this was my higher power grabbing me by my face and telling me, are you listening? Are you listening? You know, uh, even before program, but then once the food was down, um, I can be an open wound and the world and its people is salt. Everything disturbed me. And, um, you know, I do. I, I love this part about... A tornado I also call myself like I used to be Hurricane Melissa um, and as much as I was a tornado 
I was also the Red Cross, right? Because I was going to screw things up and leave a trail of destruction all around me and then put my other face back on and, and hand out the bottles of water and give the hugs and, and collect donations and be the person that I all, you know, I wanted everyone to think I was. Um, you know, and for me it's important to realize that this paragraph is not about past tense. That I still am a tornado. Don't let me get that twisted. I am still very capable of destruction. Um, just like a, a teaspoon of sugar in my coffee, I am still a compulsive overeater. It doesn't matter how many sponsees I have. It doesn't matter how many leads I've given. It doesn't matter how many phone calls I can take during a day where I want to sound recovered. <clears throat> I am so very capable of destruction. And I'm sitting in the same parking lot shaking right now because it's my first day of school, and I don't have a principal at school. He left a few days ago, and I don't know what I'm walking into. And this is the same parking lot that I used to binge in in the morning, and instead I'm talking to you, and I'm watching the sunrise, and I'm overcome with gratitude and not fear, and I'm human, and I'm checking my emotions, and I'll do the things that I need to do. But I'm not walking into school today with a plethora of continental breakfast items that I ate half of them already and wanting to be the person that everyone likes. Um, because this program taught me that I, I already have a principal. It's not a person who sits in the chair in the front of my school and makes decisions. I know who I'm working for. And I need to remind myself of that every day. And so today I'm not showing up to school to be a tornado but I'm also not showing up as the Red Cross. My job is to show up to be useful, to be courteous, to be undisturbed, and to be kind. And I am so grateful for this platform to, to remind myself that that's what this is all about. And with that, I will pass. Thank you. Thank you, Melissa P. Okay, Laurel B., you're up, and then Priscilla H., and then, I'm sorry, but Donna G., we likely will not have time for you. We have five minutes left. Go ahead, please, Laurel. Hi, I'm Laurel, recovered compulsive overeater and bulimic in Wakanda, Illinois. As others have said, just seeing abstinence is not enough. I have to go through a life change by working the steps. Along the way, I may have created resentments in others, so... Um, they might be impatient with me, and when they are, I have to be tolerant of that. I, I need to be forgiving if they're still treating me like I was before I got abstinent and recovered. Sometimes it takes a while for, um, for my amends to fall into place, and um, I can do a lot about changing this attitude toward me by being of service. Um, being of service to God just goes a long way in making amends to others. So with that, I pass. Thank you. Okay. Well, thank you, Laurel. Okay, Priscilla H., you're up, followed by uh, Donna G. If you could each take two minutes, that would be great. Thanks. This is Priscilla H., and I'm grateful to be recovered sugar addict. Uh, I've been looking forward to this one paragraph for days now, so much so that I wrote out my personal recovery story about it. So here goes. 
I used to despise this paragraph. I thought maybe it was due to the fact that one branch of my family included farmers. And the farmer in this little three-sentence story is such a dolt. How dare they make this farmer out to be so stupid. But the last time we read page 82 in Vision, a year ago probably, my BFFHP revealed the rest of my version to me. I was one of the farmer's large family of children, the youngest, no doubt. So I was always trailing at the end of that loud, noisy crowd. In my personal page 82, when the storm passed and the rest of the family climbed out of the storm cellar, no one even noticed that I stayed behind in the cellar. I loved that safe, quiet cellar. There were snacks and books and magazines and maybe even a little TV down there. I could isolate and stay out of trouble, stay safe. And when the briefest flash of loneliness came into my brain, I would instantly reach out my right hand for a sugary snack and my left hand for a book, a magazine, a newspaper, or the TV remote. And after that, a lot of recovery chapters followed. But today, in recovery, my BFF higher power has firmly but gently removed the sugary snacks and the sugar substitute from my cellar. The door to the storm cellar stays open all the time, and I can come and go. I still spend time in there. I'm an introvert, and that's okay, because the God of my not understanding is in there with me. And so are you people. By way of my phones and my tablet for Zooming, my sponsor and my sponsees, and God is showing me, telling me how to create the fellowship I crave, as it says on page 164 of the big book. And you know what? I've noticed that there are exactly 12 steps in and out of my storm cellar. There is no elevator I have to take the steps, some of them, over and over and over. So thanks for letting me share. With that, I pass. Thank you. And Donna, we have one minute. Do you want to take that? Yeah, this is Donna. Yeah, I'll try to um, pare this down quite a bit. Um, I felt led to share this morning. Yeah, I felt led to share... um, like so many others have shared, I lived my whole life before program in a in a uh, constant figurative tornado. Uh, I caused a tornado, and um, but but more literally in a state where, ironically, there aren't many tornadoes. I'm from Pennsylvania. Um, the hills cut them down before they can, you know, gain any speed. I was actually in a tornado when I was younger with my mother and. Um, she, like the previous speaker, said she had many children, and um, the whole store, the whole roof of the store was taken off where we were we were at. And my mother's first thought, because she had so many kids and had no idea what had happened beyond the store, was her other children. And I think it's so interesting when I look back on what my default was in that situation, and that was I was selfish. I was mad at her for not giving me more during that very traumatic um, experience immediately. But let's just forget about like, you know, okay, maybe the next day to comfort me. I wanted right then and there to be comforted, to be hugged, to be 
and my mother went into panic mode about her other kids and selfishly I resented that. I went into a resentment immediately. I think it's just very telling that came up for me and um, since I don't have much time I'll leave it at that but of course that pattern repeated itself in my life and um, when I cause tornadoes uh, myself I don't get it. You know why people are so upset. I don't get it. Um, when I make amends to my children, my own children, why they don't want to immediately respond. So yeah, it's just it was just interesting. Uh, with that, I'll pass. Thank you, thank you so much, and thank you to everyone who shared. And please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. And the share ID for today, Wednesday, September first, twenty twenty one, seven a.m. meeting is seventeen thousand. 665. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Susan S.H. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Good morning. This is Susan S.H. in Ohio. Grateful to be of service. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order, but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is a great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. I pass.